Larry Bird's not walking through that door. We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. It's my team. It's my quarterback. Okay. It is... God! 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 To be the man! You gotta beat the man! The 2-1. Swan Lane drive left hand! Water on his end! This is the Powers on Sports Podcast. Hey, hey there, folks. Welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jason, down here in Tampa. It is an Easter weekend edition of the podcast. Took a week off last week. Sorry I missed you guys. Took a little break. We are going to come back strong this week with a very good episode for you. I'm going to talk a little Masters golf. I'm going to talk a little NBA playoffs. And then we are going to get to our guest for the week, Peter Blake, host of the Sports Web down here in the Tampa Bay area. We're going to talk all things USFL. We're going to hit some NFL notes, NFL draft. We're going to talk about the Daniel Snyder situation with the Commanders. Big problem brewing for Daniel Snyder and a potential ownership problem here for for Snyder moving forward. We're even going to hit a little NBA. We're even going to hit a little uh, Major League Baseball chat. We're going to talk about Kershaw's near perfect game and some other things related to the Rays and such. So before we get to Mr. Blake, remember you can find us on Twitter at JPO Sports is the Twitter handle. You can find us on the YouTube channel, Powers on Sports, for the video interview with Peter Blake. Uh, remember, we'd love to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review on all your local podcast platforms that you may be finding us. Again, it's been a uh, whirlwind the last couple of weeks. We've had the NCAA championship. Big, huge comeback by the Kansas Jayhawks, national champions. Down double digits to Carolina, I think 15 at the half. Nice job, nice comeback. Excellent Final Four. Uh, Duke, Carolina, the, the end of the Mike Krzyzewski road. So uh, John Shire takes over in Durham now for Coach K. Hubert Davis gets his Tar Heels to the championship game. But Bill Self wins his second national title Uh as we lead into the spring NFL draft is just a couple of weeks away. Again, we're going to hit some NFL draft stuff uh, as well with Peter. But first, let's get to the NBA playoffs. This is the week where we're having our play-in game situations. We've got the two play-in games have been determined for the eighth seed in both conferences. The Brooklyn Nets took care of Cleveland to win the seventh seed in the East. They will see the Boston Celtics in round one. And in the West, it's going to be the Timberwolves will be hosting the, or we playing the Memphis Grizzlies. In the eighth seed on uh, this Friday will be Atlanta going to Cleveland to see who's the eighth seed. The winner of that will play Miami. And in the West, the eighth seed is going to be the Clippers and the Pelicans to see who gets the Phoenix Suns in round one. So a very, very uh, intriguing Eastern Conference in the playoffs. 
You got Brooklyn and Boston. All the talk about Brooklyn. Who wants to play Brooklyn? Can Brooklyn put it together? You got Kyrie and KD. Do they have any defense? Will Ben Simmons return at all? They play the Boston Celtics, who had the best turnaround after the All-Star break. A, just a tremendous job by the Celtics to get back in the in the race. They're the two seed. The one seed's the Heat. will play Cleveland or Atlanta. Uh, the intriguing part, you got, you got Milwaukee playing Chicago. That's supposed... Everybody anticipates Milwaukee winning that series comfortably. And then you got maybe the best series of them all, Philly and Toronto. Remember, uh, Fiebel can't play for Philly when they play in Toronto due to the due to the vaccine mandate. Very interesting series there. You have Embiid, who many think could win the MVP, versus the, uh, the gutty uh, Toronto Raptors. A lot of speculation around Nick Nurse. Is he going to be the future coach of the Lakers after their disaster? Uh, disastrous season. Frank Vogel gets the uh, gets put into the grave by the Lakers following the regular season meltdown. What a joke the Lakers were. AD, fragile, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, all three a disaster in LA this year. Um, Frank Vogel took the fall for that for that uh, abomination. It's not his fault, but there was ha- there was going to be a change made in Los Angeles. Vogel out. A lot of speculation. Nick Nurse, Doc Rivers, potentially maybe Quinn Snyder might be the coach there. You know, they're in salary cap hell when you got LeBron, you got AD, and you got Westbrook. If I were the Lakers, I would trade AD and Westbrook this offseason. Um, I would trade them both. A- uh, Anthony Davis is too fragile for my liking. He plays about 45. 40, 40 to 50 games a year at most. He's hurt every single year. He's not that good. He's not He's not the elite player that he's been made out to be. He can, He's very good if everything's perfect around him, but if there's any kind of uh, adversity, anything, he, to me, he's just not a great player. Uh, and again, he's very t- too injury prone for me in my liking for him to be a max player, for him to be the guy you're going to put your whole franchise behind outside of LeBron James. In the West, you got Memphis playing the play-in winner. The two uh the two seed, you have um I'm sorry, Memphis is the two seed. Phoenix is playing the the, the play-in. Phoenix is playing the 8 seed. Memphis is playing Minnesota. You got Dallas and Utah going at it. Luka Doncic doubtful for at least the first couple of games with a calf strain. That's too bad. Hurt himself in the last regular season game of the year. Playing against the potential MVP in Jokic for Denver, no Jamal Murray. That'll be that should be a decent series. Denver probably ought to win that series um, as well. But uh, you know, and the four-five matchup in the West is I don't have it right in front of me, and I'm going blank on who's the four-five matchup. Um, but interesting, uh, interesting. I'll think of it here in just a second. But in the East, I like. The Celtics to beat the Brooklyn Nets. I think it'll probably go seven games, but I do like the Celtics to get it done versus the Nets. I think Miami will get through to whoever they have to play. Um, I also like the Milwaukee Bucks to win comfortably. And then I think the Philadelphia 76ers are going to beat the Toronto Raptors in six games. I think that'll be a competitive series, but I do like Philadelphia Pressure, pressure, pressure on one James Harden. You better not come up lame, Mr. Harden, or you will get run out of the gym there in Philadelphia. They will crush you. 
I'm sorry, in the West, you got Denver and Golden State, and you got uh, Utah and Dallas are the two matchups that I was confusing in the West. Denver, Golden State will be really good. No Jamal Murray. Steph Curry's status is still a little up in the air. I think he'll play in the series. It may not be game one, but I think you'll see Steph Curry very early in that series. I think game two at the latest. And then Utah and Dallas. You got Utah, Quinn Snyder, Donovan Mitchell, Gobert versus the Mavericks with no with no Doncic. I would think the Utah could get through that series, but again, if Doncic comes back and plays, I do think Dallas can win that series with Doncic in the game. So um, in the West, I like everybody's talking up Minnesota like they could give Memphis a run. Give me the Grizzlies. I like the the, the grittiness of, of Memphis, especially as well as they played without John ja Morant. Morant's going to be back in the playoffs. I like Phoenix to advance. Uh, I, I'll take Utah to advance. And I also, I, I think the Golden State Warriors are going to find a way to get it done. I think Clay's playing better. You got Wiggins. You got Steph Curry. You got Kaminga. You got Poole. I like Golden State. I think that'll be a very entertaining series. Give me Golden State in six games over the Denver Nuggets in Jokic. Um, but again... I do think the Celtics will take care of business against against the Nets. I think the defensive presence of the Celtics will be enough to, to slow down Brooklyn enough, and Brooklyn plays no defense. Zero defense. I think Tatum and Jalen Brown will be big. Um, again, I think you're going to see Marcus Smart be a factor defensively on Kyrie Irving. And you shouldn't be rooting for the Nets. Kyrie Irving's a clown. He should have got the virus. He should have got the vaccine, um, you know, but, of course, he's going to get paid for all those games that he didn't get uh, got to miss. That's a joke. Ben Simmons is a joke for, for the, uh, the the Nets as well. Uh, clown show suing the Sixers for $20 million for money for didn't play a game in the entire regular season. Um, not a fan of Ben Simmons and the Nets and Kyrie Irving. So I hope they go down in flames in the first round, and I'll, and I'll be uh, picking the Celtics. So I think you're going to have a Celtics, Heat, Sixers, Bucks, Final Four in the East. And we'll give you a prediction on those semifinal matchups when they have in the West. I like Memphis, Phoenix, Golden State, and Utah. I think Phoenix is the clear favorite in the West. I think in the East, you could have any one of three teams the Celtics, Bucks, any one of the four teams out, honestly, in the East could get out of the East. So, um, But I think Phoenix is a pretty solid favorite to get out of the West, barring any injury. Uh, they are the best team in the West, but we'll have to see. So, NBA playoffs get started this weekend. Be very exciting. Uh, you'll have a lot of activity, games every night, ESPN, TNT, uh, and all that, NBA TV as well. So, uh, let's move to the Masters. Scotty Scheffler gets it done. What a job by Scheffler. It's his fourth tournament win in the last six events. First Masters championship and basically led from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The tournament pretty much ended on Sunday when Cameron Smith hit the ball in the water on 12. I know for me, I turned it off as soon as Cameron Smith hit the tee shot in the water. He put pressure on Scheffler in the final group on the 11th hole when he birdied, but give Scheffler credit, some critical, critical up and downs on Sunday and Saturday as well, especially on Saturday on the 18th hole, he hit the ball deep in the trees he was able to salvage a bogey on Saturday on the 18th. He chipped in on the third hole on Sunday to, to right the ship as Cameron Smith was putting pressure on him. 
and then a big par save on the 11th hole to only lose one shot to Smith on the 11th, and they went to the 12th, and then Smith imploded by hitting the ball fat into the water. I turned it off after that, and Scheffler cruised to victory, uh, won, the, won the tournament by three shots over Cam Smith, and Rory McIlroy put on a big run on Sunday to shoot 64 to get into second place. What's unfortunate for Rory is he keeps continuing to struggle on day one of these majors. He plays really well day two, three, and four of the majors, especially in the last couple years. But for whatever reason, day one, he always tends to struggle. Shot one over par uh, on day one this week uh, in the Masters. But But a valiant effort on Sunday shooting 64. Could have been lower than that. Probably could have been around 62. Uh, he missed a couple birdie putts on the back nine. He had opportunities, but he did shoot 64, finish second. It really wasn't a pressing second. The only guy who really had a chance was Cam Smith on Sunday. He fell back, I believe, to, to I think he finished, ended up seven under par. But give Scotty Scheffler full credit. First major win, legitimate player, big time player. Hit made clutch shot after clutch shot when he had to, especially with the putter and the chip and, and his chipping around the greens at Augusta. Tiger Woods, a very compelling first two rounds, kind of ran out of gas physically in the last two rounds, didn't putt worth a flip Saturday and Sunday, but did make the cut. So very, uh, very, very impressive for Tiger to make the cut after not being in a competitive situation for 15 plus months. Obviously, the coming back from the accident, the rehab, I think there's a bright uh, future in the next couple of years for Tiger. I think he definitely can compete for another major championship. He swung the club pretty well. Uh, needs to putt better, obviously, and obviously as he gets stronger physically and can withstand walking four straight rounds, I think he'll be more of a factor. Uh, St. Andrews is, is a flat golf course for him, so short and flat. He could be a factor there at the British Open. They go to Southern Hills next for the – PGA Championship. We'll see if he plays. I think he'll try to play in the, in the PGA in about a month or so. Uh, but again, Tiger Woods, I was impressed, very impressed with how he did. Made the cut uh, and was competitive. So good for them. The Masters didn't have all the drama. Good tournament, didn't have all the drama. But again, the Masters is the Masters. Hard not to watch. I know I was watching Friday and Saturday, watching it on the cell phone, watching it at the computer on at the office. Listening to the coverage, I love listening to the uh, uh, the coverage. If you don't watch the Golf Channel for the majors, you should. The live from shows are really good on site from the major championships. Rich Lerner and company do a really good job with the analysis. I I, I really like the what they do on the Golf Channel. But again, great job, Scotty Scheffler. Will this be one of many majors? We'll see. Um, but uh, Scheffler is definitely the hottest player in the world, the number one ranked player. And uh, you're going to see many more competitive rounds out of Scheffler. Obviously, we'll not be able to keep up the winning streak that he's on, four out of six tournaments. But I do know he's made a boatload of money in the last uh, two months with, with purse winnings as well as endorsements. So, Scotty Scheffler has made life-changing money the last three months or so on the PGA Tour, and good for him. So, uh, there's your roundup. Again, We'll be back in just a minute. We're going to talk to Peter Blake, host of the Sports Web. We're going to talk NFL Draft. We're going to talk baseball. We're going to talk some uh, Daniel Snyder problems, more problems for Snyder and the Redskins, i.e. Commanders. And we're going to talk the start of the United States Football League, the rebirth this week up in Birmingham, this weekend, 
Fox, NBC, eight franchises. All the games are in Birmingham. We're going to talk about the USFL and is it is it a viable spring league to kind of be a feeder system to the NFL. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Peter Blake. We'll be back to the Powers on Sports podcast in just a moment. Now a word from Titan Home Lending. Folks, interest rates are rising. They are on the rise due to some inflationary issues, world events and such. So if you are in the market for a home, looking to buy, looking to uh, invest in an investment property, second home purchase, beach home, vacation type home, now is the time to get your rate locked in. Reach out to me at Titan Home Lending. Anywhere in the state of Florida, I can help you. So if you're looking for a place in Key West, in Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, Pensacola, anywhere in between, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, 205-790-1404. Let's get you pre-approved for your home purchase. Also, if you'd like to refinance your home, if your interest rate is in the fives or sixes or high fours, now might be a great time to look at your options of whether to refinance would be beneficial to you financially. So again, reach out to me at Titan Home Lending, Jason Powers, 205-790-1404. Feel free to call or text me anytime. I'd love the opportunity to help you anywhere in the state of Florida. Now back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Powers on Sports Podcast. It is an Easter week, weekend edition. It is the birth of the USFL edition of the Powers on Sports podcast. We're going to talk a little football with my, my man, my co-host in the fall for Buccaneers pre-halftime and post-game. My man, the host of the sports web here down here in Tampa. He covers MMA, covers USF Bulls. He's part of the Amped Up Sports Network now. He's, he's big time in me. Leaving me in the dust. Welcome back, one Peter Blake. Not at all. Leaving you in the dust. You're my tag team partner in the world. And our old friend there, Mr. TJ Reeves, is Freddie Blassie. He's right now screaming at us, you pencil neck geeks. Get on the line there. Get on the get on the mic. Let's talk some sports. So no. I saw, I saw a I know you're a wrestling guy. I saw a very um, good, very good documentary the other night on USA Network. About the nature boy himself, Ric Flair, was good. Had some different stuff. I know ESPN did their own 30 for 30 on Slick Rick. USA Network with the WWE did a little hour-long thing. It was good. They had some good stuff with he and Dusty Rhodes. He and uh, the Four Horsemen. Some of the good interview spots. Just so, so I know you're a big wrestling guy. Check it out. YouTube it or whatever we got to do to watch it. It's a good hour-long documentary on the nature boy rick flair and i think it's on peacock and it's called evil evil yes yes and that i heard it was really good so i gotta watch that i definitely gotta watch rick flair because he's definitely one of the best heels if not the best heel yes. of all time with one of the best wrestling factions of all time kids no it's not nwo no it's not degeneration x it is the four horsemen no Whoa. that was the best Yes. That was the best, the original best, and forever will be the best quartet or whatever group, group or whatever you want to call it in wrestling history. Well, they had Lex Luger and Sting, and then you would always know they would turn on them. They well, now, hold on them. now. The originals were not those guys. Right. The originals were Flair, mm -hmm. Tully Blanchard, mm -hmm. 
Ola Anderson and Art Anderson, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, with, right. with J.J. Dillon as the manager. Crazy, crazy crew there. J.J. Dillon, of course, you see him throughout the years getting older and older as the commissioner, WCW, Ric Flair, all his guys getting older. But uh, And then and, Dusty going against him. And you and I are both Tampa guys. Yep. J.J. Dillon was a stalwart down here in the Tampa in the in the Georgia the Florida Championship Wrestling era with Gordon Soley, Dusty Rhodes down here, yes. Mike Graham. The, JJ Dillon was a stalwart down here in Florida. Kevin Sullivan. I yes, mean, that is the history of wrestling that nobody talks about. They always talk about Hogan. Yes, Hogan is from here. Macho Man is from here. But that was also the original crew there. Florida Championship Wrestling. On the Briscoe w Brothers. Yes. Jack and Jerry Briscoe. Yeah. On WTOG 44 on Saturday nights at what? Six? Seven. Seven. Seven o'clock, brother. Gordon Soley here from the Sunshine State love at it. the Ford Homer Hester Lee Armory. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I wish I was a kid again. Honestly, you can always go back to YouTube, I guess, right? That's right. All right, let's get to some football, my brother. Yes. We got the NFL draft coming up in a couple weeks. We're about two weeks away from the NFL draft. Going to be out in Vegas this year. Will be a massive spectacle coming out of COVID. You know, I don't know. I think I think they're doing it on the strip somewhere at the end of the strip. I believe. I think they're doing it at Allegiant Stadium. I believe. I um, thought they were. I mean, is I it? I think on the it strip is somewhere. I mean, is there any hype this year with the draft? Are you hyped up? I don't know. I I'm not hyped up, and I guess it's a year where. You don't have a lot of quarterbacks pushing that hype. You had right. that last year. I agree. Had some intrigue. I don't see that this year. I don't know who the number one overall pick is going to be. And sometimes that could be, you know, good, you know, good to watch, but there's no intrigue for me. I'm going to watch the draft because I've watched it throughout the years. And it's one of yep. my favorite parts of the year when it comes to football, because at that point, when you get through free agency, you get through the draft. Once you get through the draft and you're in training camp, there's no number one prospect that says, you know what? He's jumping off the screen. We got to take him. Maybe uh, the kid out of Michigan, uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Right. You know, the guy. Yeah, that's the weird thing. This year, there's not a consensus number one guy. There's not a, it, there's not a guy that you can say, he is the guy. Yeah. Usually, most years, there's somebody, whether it's a tackle or quarterback, and it's usually the hype of the quarterbacks. We're usually hyping up the quarterbacks. I think everybody kind of agrees this is, this is a down year for quarterbacks. There'll be a couple picked in the first round just because, but I don't think anybody believes any one of these guys are going to be generational players type deal. So yeah. that you're right. I'm with you. That's part of the, the down, a little bit of the hype is down on that. Were you always a guy in your younger years? And I know I used to be where I would watch all day, Thursday, all day, Friday, and all day, Saturday. It used to be a Saturday, Sunday deal, a two day deal. Yep. Now it's obviously stretched out over three days. Were you one of those guys that would watch every single pick of the draft? Every single pick of the draft. And this would start two months earlier. And I would be calling sports talk shows because I would see, you know, what they're saying about who the Bucks are going to take. And it would always be a player that I would favor. And there's actually a story out there with Mel Kuyper. I would get his draft report and I was doing a show for Pasco Public Access TV. Just starting what? out. Yeah. About, about 15, Pasco Public Access. About 15 years old. 15 boy. years old. Very nervous, uh, making my, you know, my television debut. And I wanted to make sure I had all my facts. And I lost the Mel Kuyper draft report. And I called him personally, talked to him for a little bit, you know, and uh, he sent me back a copy and it signed. And I wish I could find it somewhere. 
That's my Mel Kuyper story. That's the guy that gets you pumped up. There and I go. always wanted to be that type of broadcaster. I wanted to be a Mel Kuyper who could talk about the draft. So Mike Mayock did a great job. Daniel yeah. Jeremiah, um, the other guy, Tom McShay, he does a good job. I love all the draft coverage, and this starts two to three months. I just haven't been getting into it this year, but draft for me, and I remember a specific one. It's the one where Trent Dilfer goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But yes. you remember Bill Tobin yes. after Amel Kuyper because the Colts at the at the time drafted who? Trev, Trev uh, Alberts. From Nebraska, who turned out to be uh, a better broadcaster than uh, a football player, which is a problem. And, of course, at the time, I believe that year, Jim Harbaugh yes. uh, got them all the way to the AFC Championship yes. as Captain Comeback. Yeah, but it's so funny because Tobin and Kuiper went yeah. at each other. It's one of the classic moments in draft history. I remember that one, and then of course the '97 draft. Anytime you can get a guy like a Warwick Dunn and a Rito Anthony, and I thought both players were pretty good coming out of college. One out of Florida, one out of Florida State. That's a, a good one, also. Yeah, but yet, and he also had the Brooks and Sapp drafts. Yep, yep, you yep. had that one, and, and the and the intrigue in that, and. You know, thank God for Mike Mamula, right? From Boston College. I mean, here's well, a guy that just killed it at the combine. And the Eagles and the Bucks, they make that trade. And you never thought that he was going to get past the Jets. You didn't think he was going to get past Minnesota. And sure enough, he's sitting right there. All these type of drafts, I still remember like it was yesterday. Well, and if, I you, still, if you remember with Sap, yep. the big thing with Sap was all the the rumors of the marijuana use at Miami. The, the night failed before, drug tests the night before with Chris right. Martinson. Right. And I was told from uh, a pretty reliable source that that was made up from a team named the Chicago bears because they were trying to get Warren Sapp at the time. Well, if you don't, well, I'm, he may not have failed a drug test, but if you don't think Warren Sapp wasn't smoking some weed at Miami back in those days, well, I, I, got, I got some good property. And uh, I mean, that's all you did. You, you did drugs <laughs> and won games. I mean, maybe they should go back to that. Maybe that'll get them in the winning atmosphere. The U is back. You hear it every year. You have to be on drugs in order to say the U is back because it's never back. Have you ever been to a draft? No, but I need to go to one. Me and you need to go to one. We need to get, we need I, yep. to get Uncle TJ to hook us up with that. One of the one of these days they'll bring the draft to Tampa. They, they now they're rotating it around. By the one way, of these days they'll bring it to Tampa. Jason, hard knocks the Detroit Lions. Okay, you're interested in that, and then on top of it, they put the draft next year. I think it's 2024. Maybe it's 2024 in Detroit. Hey, what's the purpose? Detroit for the they're draft. Rota they're rotating it around, my brother. Oh, my God. Just put it down here in Florida. Leave it down here. You know, make it a Pro Bowl type of thing. You used to have it in Hawaii all the time. It was great. Have it down here in Florida for the draft. <laughs> and then that'll probably be the year it will rain out. Yes, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> <laughs> put it put it in Tropicana. I bet more people show up there than to a race game. All right. So, um, and, and, and again, from a calendar perspective, this is probably the last big event between now and the start of training camp for most NFL teams. I know there's a couple mini camps and all that, but you know, free agency was started in, in March. The draft is kind of here end of April. So you're going to have a couple months of, of June, July till training camp starts that first of August, where it's going to be a little slower period of time for these teams, which is good. I mean, if you're a football fan, I know we're all football fans and all that stuff, but we all do need a little downtime a month or two. One to build up the excitement heading into the next year, I think. 
Well, speak for yourself. I would like all the stories always to be on the Bucks and around the National Football League. I mean, these trades need to happen every day, so we have something to talk about when we do our shows. Well, we did have some news this week, earlier in the week. Derek Carr re-ups with the Raiders, Vegas, three years, $121 million. What do you think of the Raiders doing that? A lot of people thought that Gruden wanted, you know, there wasn't, did Gruden, obviously Gruden's gone, but I mean, there was a lot of speculation with Derek Carr being the long-term future of, with McDaniels now in, in, in Vegas running the show. Your thoughts of Carr staying in Vegas for three more years? Well, first, it makes sense because Carr is the one that recruited Devontae Adams. So you right. get him in the fold. And then Carr, has he ever, Jason Powers, had a number one wide receiver to prove himself? He still put up pretty good numbers. Look, you know, John Gruden, eh, he's like a guy that doesn't have enough girlfriends. I mean, he, he would have the, the hottest girl at the bar, and he'd be the one that would be trying to take, uh, you know, the hottest one the other hottest one there at the bar. I mean, that's just John Gruden. He's never satisfied when it comes to quarterbacks. So I'm not really surprised by that, but they had to do that. Uh, and it solidifies their team. He is their franchise quarterback. There's no more silly rumors of him being traded. Um, so yeah, I like the yep. move and I think he's been pretty productive uh, at points. He's a little bit inconsistent, but again, right. going back to it, Jason, when is he had a number one wide receiver? He'll have that this year. So he's in place for three years. Good move by the Raiders. I agree. I th and they got him at a pretty reasonable number, about $40 million a year, which you hate to say it is the going rate. I mean, I don't think he's worth $40 million a year. But, it's, you know, it's kind of the rate. It's good. One thing I do like, you know, one, uh, you know again, with, the, with, with, with Vegas, you know, a lot of people don't realize Vegas is probably one of the poor, you know, Mark Davis is probably one of the least rich. They're all rich. But he's probably one of the least rich owners as far as liquid money and all that. But so the Raiders have made two big moves, obviously with getting Devontae Adams and then re-upping here with Carr, who were college teammates at Fresno State. Absolutely. And again, I think you give him the contract because he recruited Adams there. I mean, just yeah. that alone. And everybody's like, well, he, you know, he is, his production is going to go down because Carr's not good, that good of a quarterback like Rodgers. I disagree. I think his production will – maybe go down just a little bit, but that team is going to be in contention. It's a tough division. I think the Raiders are ready to compete. So, you know, signing your franchise quarterback to a three-year deal, once again, kills all those rumors. Right. At this juncture. I got a feeling you're going to hear something from John Gruden in these next couple of months. We've, he's been very low key. We haven't heard a peep out of Gruden since all that happened with, with the, with the organization. And we're mm -hmm. going to get to we're going to get to Washington here in a second. There's a and there's a tie between Washington, the oh, commanders yeah. and all the stuff in that organization and Gruden. I think it, I would not shock me in the next couple of months if you hear from Gruden and, and he has some kind of sit down or some kind of big spectacle interview with somebody in the media about what happened in, in Vegas and how and all the all the allegations and all that stuff. Well, hopefully it's not a quarterback camp, right? I mean, because yeah. how do you have a Gruden quarterback camp and you never developed a young quarterback? I mean, you never developed a young quarterback and you have a Gruden quarterback camp? I mean, come on. I mean, that's just ridiculous at this point. So as long as it's not a show like that. No, I'm talking about a I'm talking about a sit a serious sit-down interview where Gruden has to answer some, if he decides to do it. I don't know if he'll do it or not, yeah. but it wouldn't shock me. If he has some kind of interview, interview or something starts leaking out about Gruden, because again, he doesn't want to get, I don't know what his future is. If he, if he can ever get another NFL job, probably right. not, but I just think you'll, you know, at some point 
will somebody take a chance on him in the media a couple years down the road? Not at all. He was a he was a great guy on, on TV. Yeah, he was a great guy on TV, and uh, you know, very charismatic uh, personality. Knew his stuff. Uh, yep. Loved everybody until you played for him, and then uh, you know the stories are uh, he's a little bit two faced, but that's neither here nor there. Right. At the all end, right, I haven't got your opinion. What'd you think of the Buck and Aikman signing by ESPN? I don't know. I mean, I, I like it, I guess. I'm not the biggest Joe Buck fan, but good for him. Good for broadcasters getting paid that much money because hopefully, you know, that will that will <laughs> that, that will leak over here. You know, maybe that'll transpire <laughs> over here with, with us. Maybe we make more money. But anytime you can see uh, guys that are total professionals get paid that much money to do Monday Night Football. And look, ESPN had to do that, right? I mean, their ratings are down. They've tried the Manning stuff. It didn't really work out to what they thought it was going to be. Oh, Manning's back. Well, Manning's are back. Well, they're back. It's interesting, but it's not. I don't think it's what ESPN wanted. They thought more people were going to watch it. It was more compelling. They've had some guests. It's fun stuff. But I think, look, if you're trying to return the numbers to where they were, I'm not sure if they're ever going to get there. But a good start is getting the number one broadcast team and uh, Buck and Aikman, so I like it. I heard that. I heard. I heard just last week, Monday Night Football is going back to ABC. I think you're right about that. Actually, I, I, Which, and is is that the problem? Is that the reason why the ratings are, are so low? Is because some people actually do not have ESPN out there? Is that what it? Why I don't think so. They, I think it's because there's been because back when you and I were growing up, there was one primetime game, Monday Night Football. That's now it. there's Thursday night. There's, there's obviously Sunday night. Now there's Monday night. So there's a It's just the dilution of the primetime entity of it being the primetime game. Right. And you had Al Michaels. You had Dan Deardorff. You had Darren Deardorff. I can't say his name. Don then, Meredith, all those yeah, guys. I mean, right, right. And, and you had also uh, Frank Gifford. You know, yeah. That was the crew right. At the time you watched it was must see TV. How about Al Michaels going over? Uh, to Amazon, right? Getting a big deal also with uh, Kirk uh, Herbstreet. What do you that's think bad, about that? That's a bad move. Really? I don't like. I I I don't love Herbstreet. I don't like Herbstreet as an contract analyst. Contract that Al Michaels got. That's not a bad move. Anytime you can get that type of money at his age, it, it, good for you, Al Michaels. It ain't about bro. It, if it's about the money for Al Michaels, that's stupid because he's made more money. Than he, it, he don't need the money. He's going to be miracles. He could have had the Fox job at 425 on Sunday. And I, to me, he's going to be irrelevant on Thursday night football. Uh, not everybody has Amazon. Well, if you have Amazon, not. you don't watch the game. Maybe not, but I, I, I think I may turn I may tune into that game now with Al Michaels. Uh, I'm and I'm not a Herb. I don't I, I don't love miracles. Her, I don't love her. I don't love Herb Street as an analyst at all he knows his stuff when it comes to college football so i think it yeah no except we're not doing except we're not doing college football but he does have some type of advantage doesn't he jason powers i mean he's seen the college game with some of those prospects coming in it's it's an absolute astute point on your part you know can he transition to the nfl game does he know enough about the nfl game where it can be compelling tv al herb street is never critical of anybody that's the part everybody's great everybody's this it's Mm. never if you're going to be a good analyst and say what you want about Aikman and, and Collinsworth and those guys, but the good analysts are the guys that are not afraid to take a shot, not a shot, but be critical and be fair when right. it's time to be fair and honest about poor player, poor quarterback player, poor coaching. 
That was that's why it was so odd with John Gruden, right? Because it seemed like he loved everybody, he loved did. everybody, love it. But he was still compelling. So he I was. think it can work. I'm an optimist, and once again, anytime a sports broadcaster can get paid that much, oh, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, sir. Yeah, good. But again, for Al Michaels, who's 75 years old, you know, what's he gonna? How's he gonna be able to spend 15 million dollars a year when he's already been making X number of million dollars a year for the last 30 years? I wish I, mean, I was I wish I was his consultant because I could I, <laughs> I got no, you. I get it. There's All right. some, some things we could spend fifteen million dollars on. Okay. What'd you, what'd you think of Fox elevating Kevin Burkhardt to the number one spot? I like him. I, I like do too. Him. He's much more exciting than Buck. And uh he's been around, he's called baseball before, uh very intelligent. Uh, he's exciting. He gets me into the game. That's the reason why I, I would definitely. Uh, Sounds I, I, like Greg Olson is going to be promoted to the number one analyst job too. He's to good with Burkhart. So he, I mean, he's very good. I think he's very good. I'm surprised that he's been promoted yep. uh, so that soon. quickly. But um, you know, they love that name factor. And Olson, when he was uh, when he was a commentator, and I think he was doing he was starting off with the XFL. He was impressive. So oh, he does a good job. He does a good yeah. job. I'll give him credit. Yep. Yep. I'll give him credit for sure. All right. Let's transition to the Washington commanders. Big report coming out this week. There's been speculation for the last couple of weeks that they were, they, that the Washington franchise more problems with the organization, not just the, the misconduct stuff with the sexual misconduct and the stuff with the, with the HR and all that big revelation that Daniel Snyder might've been stealing money from these other owners by not reporting revenues that were to be shared by the other 32 owners, big pro- Congress has gotten involved. There's some reports that there's some, there's some validity to the, to the allegations no. about Snyder skimming money off the top, not reporting it to the league, things like that. To me, if he's, if he's guilty of this, he's going to get Donald Sterling out of this league by the end of 2022. He should have already been Donald Sterling out of this league with all the sexual accusations and all the reports coming. It's a completely messy situation. It's never gotten any better. The only reason why Snyder is still around is because supposedly he's a good guy and he's making all the money for the owners. But guess what? The reason why he's rich is because he's stealing from you idiotic owners for not removing him in the first place. The NFL should take a stand. This guy does not belong in the National Football League. If you're talking about players and coaches representing the Shield correctly, why in the world is Daniel Snyder still an owner in this league? I have no idea. He needs to be removed. It's not shocking to me. It's not a revelation. It's reality. It's a reality check. He's a crook. He's a scumbag. And he belongs nowhere near uh, in NFL ownership. Whether it's the Washington Redskins, the Commanders, you can try to paint a pig all you want to, but it's a pig at the end of the day. I'm with you because these other owners, other owners can get can, can overlook some misconduct off the field kind of stuff. But if they if if it's again if it's determined that he was, and it's pretty much come out that he was taking money, not reporting a lot of income oh. relative to ticket sales and road tickets and all that stuff to the league, which would have been split amongst the other 31 owners, that will be a get the hell out of Dodge and don't let the door hit you in the ass moment quickly by Roger Goodell and company. 
Well, it should be. And I tell you right now, it's probably from all that money they did those cheerleading uh, calendars from. Who knows? I mean, I, I just would not rule it out from uh, him. And I tell you right now, Jerry Jones has had some allegations lately. They need to look into him. And, and Stephen Ross, he needs to be out. I'm throwing everybody out. Throw them all out. Throw them all out. Throw Stephen Ross out. Daniel Snyder, even Haslam and Cleveland, if he did some wrongdoing there. Uh, the NFL needs to take a stand, and it's not just against their players and their coaches. It's also against the owners. Do it right. Do it across the board. Well, I wouldn't expect them to do more than one owner at a time, but I think I think Snyder will be at the top of the list very quickly here. And again, that'll be something here in this next. As soon as the draft's over in a couple of weeks, that might be that might go to the forefront of the news cycle. Is what these other owners are going to do with Wash with Daniel Snyder in Washington. Just, just have it, you know, reported by Adam Schefter. Have it, have, have him report this during the draft. In fact, just make it an event. Bring out all the owners, have the fans cheer a boo, and then fire them right on the spot. That is must-see TV, my friend. And speaking of the commanders, we do have to, we do have to talk about the sad news. Former first-round draft pick Dwayne Haskins mm. passes away. Gets, gets in a car. We're not sure what the, all the details yet down in Miami. Sounds like he got hit on the side of the road by a, by a truck. What he's doing, cr- walking down the walking down an inter- interstate, you know, emergency lane or shoulder, whatever the details are, I don't know. But it's a sad situation for a young guy who was 24 years old. I know he hadn't had a great NFL career by any means at this point, but that does, you know, that obviously there's no there's no um, nowhere in, that we should feel bad for 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 him. We, we should feel bad for him for losing his life, for sure, because from all indications, he was a good guy, good teammate. Again, forget about the on-field success. Sounds like he was a pretty decent guy off the field and just tragic news. Yeah, young guy, 24 years old, going to be 25 in just a couple months here. Disappointing down there, training to be a Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback. And, of course, it didn't work out in the National Football League. But don't tell Adam Schefter and Gil Brandt that because Ooh. they decided to tweet out instead of tweeting out, uh, a young man who's 24 years old as a former quarterback is dead. Well, he struggled with Washington. And, I mean, it, it, yeah. just be a human being. How about right. that? You know, instead of trying to be first all the time, just be a human being. Just report on the story and call it a day. Stop trying to get clicks. Stop trying to get likes. Stop trying to get clout and do your job. And it's weird, too, because Schefter has been involved in two or three of these kind of snafus in the last couple of years where he's either been insensitive or tweeted out stuff he shouldn't have been tweeting. So, and I know, and I just, and I know he just re-upped with ESPN because he's the, I mean, say what you want. He's the number one NFL insider there is. And and it's just, it's interesting. If he would not, if he was not the number one insider, he probably would have lost his job because he's, he slipped up a couple of times on a couple of things over the last couple of years that, a lot of people think could be would have been potential fireable offenses. Well, Ian Rappaport called. He wanted to know what you were talking about, but you're exactly <laughs> right. He is one of the number one insiders out there, and he has just had some just terrible situations that he's gotten himself into. But you know, Gil Brandt, who's like the godfather of scouting, you want to talk about draft. This guy has yep. done so many things for that Dallas Cowboys organization that is still being instituted by a lot of the teams today. But for him to just assume and say, well, he didn't stay in another year and he was living to die, just very insensitive. And, and yeah. I'm not a person that's PC. 
but let's let all the facts come out and instead of, you know, trying to assume that the guy was drunk or he's doing this or doing that right just for what it is. I get it. You got to fill time, but there's other things you can fill time with instead of talking about somebody uh, like, you know, basically they're still alive when they're dead. Doesn't make any sense. No, that's and, and, and the only defense for Gil Brandt. There's really not any defense, right? The guy's almost 90 years old. So you kind of, you kind of, I won't say give the guy a benefit of the doubt, but you, as we all know, sometimes older people, as they get older, get a little more insensitive and don't realize the context of what they're saying. Sure. Again, not, not providing any excuse for what he said, because what he said was out of line, sure. but we've all been in situations where older people, we know blurred out something that's just totally unacceptable to say, but they just either don't know any better or are in the mode of, I don't care. Right. But you're right. No, no excuse for what Gil Brandt said though. And of course, he apologized for it as he should. And Adam Schefter apologized for, but you know, it's just not a good look. You know, it's not one of those things that you that you want to talk about. That, that you want to. Yeah. You know, it's just not. You just want to report on the death and say, you know, condolences and move right. on at that point. And then that information, if it starts to come out, right, then you, then you can kind of expound on it and, and talk Tread about it. Lightly. Right. Tread, Tread lightly. Tread report, lightly. Report. Report what you know. Don't speculate, report facts. I agree. Yeah. You know. When I went on my show and the Tom Brady news broke, you know, somebody sent it to me. You always look for two sources. Well, I went to Tom Brady's Twitter. I said, no, this is, this has got to be like a troll job. It was not, it was Tom Brady. So right, right then and there, you got the, the source. Right. I think there's reporters out there and look, they do a phenomenal job, but it's your job. You're getting paid millions of dollars to be an insider. Do your job, right. You know, have right. some integrity at the end of the day. And if you're not checking your sources, you're making up things. And we've seen, we've, we've heard Schefter say this in the past year here where, you know, he's hearing this and hearing that and just reporting it. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. The whole thing is crazy. All right. Listen to the Powers on Sports podcast. I'm Jason along with Peter Blake, host of the Sports Web. Tell everybody where they can find you online, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. Plenty of places to find me. Got to look on Facebook. I love St. Pete. Amped Up Sports, the hub. And, of course, like and subscribe to the Sports Web on YouTube. All right, let's go from one league to the start of another league. Coming up yeah. this weekend, yeah. Easter weekend, <laughs> Birmingham, Alabama, my former home, is going to be the hub of the new look USFL. All eight teams are going to be housed in Birmingham. All the games are in Birmingham. They got a television contract. Fox and NBC is going to be broadcasting all the games, not just some of them. There's going to be two games on Saturday, two games every Sunday for 10 weeks. Then there's going to be a, a, a semifinal and a final championship game. Your thoughts of the new look USFL? A lot of, a lot of big-name former NFL guys are involved in the league as coaches. Todd Haley's coaching the Tampa team. I know there's other guy, Jeff Fisher. You got some other names, notable names that are coaching some of these teams. Just your thought of spring football. And is there a chance that this developmental league, like the old USFL back in the early 80s, which had some traction, mm -hmm. which had a lot of NFL guys that came out of that league, Reggie White, Steve Young, Jim Kelly, Herschel Walker, those kind of guys, Doug Flutie. Does this new this new look USFL have a chance to, to to make it here? It's possible because again, you got the TV contracts, right? You have NBC, you have uh, Fox, Fox Sports that are behind it. You've got some talent when it comes to coaching. You've got some names that have been in the National Football League, some 
possible, you know, potential guys that are sleepers that haven't gotten their opportunity. Yep. And I hope the bandits are better than the Tampa Bay Vipers. God, anything would be better <laughs> than that. I mean, it's just a, who was the coach there? Was it Trustman? Mark Trustman. Yes. Todd Haley now. I mean, and, and people say, well, he didn't do quite well with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but you know what? Uh, he was the offensive coordinator under uh, Ben Roethlisberger and some of the best years that Roethlisberger had at quarterback was because of him. So hopefully that can rub off on, on a Jordan Tiamu. I, I hope I'm who? Jordan Tiamu. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. The guy from Ole Miss played at Ole yes. Miss. Yes. I mean, he's got potential six, four played at Ole Miss played in uh, St. Louis or the AAF. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm excited. I'm absolutely excited about it. In fact, I told you tonight on my show, I'm probably going to be the only one that's doing going to do a pregame show and halftime and put, I'm going to take advantage of it, baby. It's football at the end of the day. Yeah, it's yep. Easter, but it's football for me. So it, football all year round. I love it. It will be interesting to see what the ratings are, the TV ratings. I think that'll be an important part of sure. how, you know, obviously you need that. You need the, the broadcast funding to help pay the salaries and the operational cost to run a league. I do like that they're centralizing the league. I know from a fan's perspective, it's not good because you don't get to go to the stadium to root for the bandits or the different teams in the league, but economically it's probably the right thing to do to cut down cost of TV crews traveling of teams having to fly everywhere. You know, Daryl Johnston, the former Cowboy fullback is the director of operations for the league. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, they're going to try some innovative technological things. I know they're getting rid of no chain crews. They're going to have some kind of chip in the ball or on the field that's going to determine first downs and all that stuff. So I think from a technology perspective, they're going to probably try to be innovative in some of the replay things they do, things like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But but bottom line is the quality of the football needs to be good for the fan to come back. And that is the difficult thing. When you have a centralized league that's going to be playing in Alabama and not their cities, yeah, how do you as a fan, if you're the, a fan of the Tampa Bay Bandits, how do you get excited when you're not going to see your team only on right. TV? So I'm not sure. And then the quality of football, you know, it, it comes down to, is it going to be the level of NFL? No. Is it going to be the level of even college football? Probably not. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I, it'll be better than college. I hope it is. You, you certainly hope it would be better than college football, but you know, there, there's no, you know, there's no guarantee. And then once the ratings are down, do you pull the plug? And we've seen that uh, with these spring leagues. So you hope that they have some success here because you would like it to hang around for at least a couple of years. And it goes, you, you were talking about tonight on the sports web uh, with the bandits, how much of uh a tradition they have Steve Spurrier and all those great players and how they even used to outdraw the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, you're not going to be able to see that happen, right? You know, but who knows? Maybe, maybe I think there's always a chance for a following when it comes to football. I just think it's tough when they're all once again, centralized in Alabama. What I think might happen is they're probably going to give it a one year trial of centralizing it. Mm -hmm. And if it gets a little traction, then I think next year they'll let the teams go back to their town so obviously in year two, which obviously, hopefully there'll be some fan support. There'll be a little more of branding that's taking place in the town, in the city that they're in. So, you know, year one, I think it's a smart idea. I don't think it would be a smart idea long-term to centralize everything, but hopefully it can financially be viable after year one to allow the bandits to come back here and, 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 and all the other cities that they're going to, 
to be somewhat successful. And I hope they give everybody media access to it, you know, because you want to promote it. Yes. You want to talk about it. You want to have the opportunity to get to know these players and these personalities. And that is the key. I mean, even though they're in Alabama, you have zoom meetings. So, you know, let's get to know these players. Let's promote the coach and, and the coaching staff and yep. who to watch for. Let's treat it like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, and I'm hoping my show can do that. And I'm hoping we get the access to do it. So I, I think there's an opportunity there. Anytime you have football, I'm all in, my friend. I got you. So you'll be you'll be tuned in every Saturday and Sunday night for Bandit Ball, huh? Hey, man, I'm not married. I got no kids. And there's <laughs> I'm a sports fan for life. That's just all to it. That's what I look forward to. I love it. Love what'd it. You, what'd you think of the uh, the Final Four? Did you watch any of the Final Four? I did. I watched it. Uh, I watched most of the uh, the championship game. I, yeah. I was I was not surprised that North Carolina beat Duke. I thought it would be a great story if Coach K could play in the championship game right. up into the sunset. But Carolina was too good, especially on the perimeter. They have plenty of players, like four players that score 20 points or more. And I was under the impression that they had the game in the bag. Obviously, somebody didn't tell Kansas that because that was an unbelievable comeback. Yeah, I hate to say it. I did turn it off because I thought Carolina had it in the bag. Congratulations to Kansas. It was a great tournament. Uh, and, and I don't think you could be disappointed by it. I was shocked that Carolina blew that lead, but there you go. All right. I know you're a baseball guy. I'm going to ask you yes. one more thing to get you out of here. Baseball sure. season's underway. We're in week, start of week two of the baseball season. Clayton Kershaw, perfect game through seven innings for the Dodgers on Wednesday. Dave Roberts comes out with the old analytics hook after 80 pitches. Seven inning perfect game in the books. Did you agree with that? Disagree with that? Hell no. I hate this analytical <laughs> garbage that baseball is trying to preach and trying to, you know, basically shove down baseball fans' throats. I can't stand it. Let the guy get the perfect game. What's the point? I don't understand it. You're up. How much are you up in that game? You it was went three seven. nothing. I think it was three nothing at the time. Oh God! Just let him finish the game. Let him get the perfect game. You don't know if he's ever going to have a chance to do that again. Kershaw's one of the greatest pitchers of our time, and what would look even better than that is a perfect game on his resume. Shame on you, baseball, for subscribing to this nonsensical garbage that you continue to do year after year. It still pisses me off, and I still think there's a lot of baseball fans out there that are sitting there throwing their remote at the television because they don't have a pitcher who's pitching a perfect game, and you decide to take him out for the friggin' bullpen. I absolutely hate it. In fact, Kershaw, <laughs> when he was uh, asked to get off the mound, should have gave Roberts the middle finger. Now, that would have been more entertaining than taking him out and replacing him for the bullpen. Here, let me, before, before I, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but let me give you a couple of counterpoints. Okay. Short and spring training due to the lockout, meaning they only got about three weeks to get ready. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's the first week of the season. So it's not like we're in the middle of May or end of, middle of June where their, their arms are, war, are, are, are built up in their shoulder. And number three, probably most importantly, he had an arm injury last year to his shoulder, his left shoulder. Missed the postseason. Missed the better. world. But even more of a better, it's a better story. It's a great story. You can tell on ESPN or Fox Sports, a guy comes back from his major injury and in his first start pitches a perfect game. 
what am I missing here, baseball? And that is the reason, my friend, why baseball has been America's pastime the last 10 to 15 years because of it. I get it. I understand the injury and everything like that. But just how about the guy is dealing? Let's have confidence in him. If you lose the game, oh, well. But he's dealing at that point. He's got 13 strikeouts. He's one of the greatest pitchers of our time. He's coming off an injury. It is a perfect storyline when it comes to sports. And they completely dropped the ball. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed that it was 80 pitches. Had it been 95 or 100, you could have an argument of, okay, the workload that first week. 80 pitches, though, is athletic and as long-lasting as Clayton Kershaw has been. I'm with you. Obviously, the moment he gives up a hit or a walk at 85 pitches, you pull the plug and get him out of there because the perfect game's gone. But I think you leave – I think – and I think if, unless – and again, we don't know this. Maybe Clayton Kershaw told Dave Roberts, I'm, I'm, I'm out of gas. We don't know. Right. We don't know. But it reminds me of an old movie called Major League Two. Remember when Rick Vaughn comes out, he's a wild thing, and he's developing all these pitches, and he pitches like five, and then he goes – I'm done for the, I'm done. that's it. You only pitch like four or five pitches. You're done. I mean, that's what it is for baseball right now. It's like watching a Rays game, you know, go four innings, four innings is a quality game. I remember when pitchers used to go six, seven, seven. eight, yeah. I mean, four innings. I get it. No spring training, but it's, it, come on. These pitchers have pitched before. Let's not act like, you know, it's the first time uh, of them discovering fire or something. Give me a break. I know this. There were if they, there would be some other pitchers that we could talk about, Max Scherzer or Verlander, that would have told Dave Roberts, get the hell back in the dugout. Yeah, I know that. Get Again, I don't know what Clayton Kershaw said yeah. or didn't say to Roberts, but I know Verlander or Scherzer, you know, Dwight Gooden back in the day, they'd have said they'd have pointed right back to the dugout. Uh, yeah. Greg Maddox, Tom John Smoltz would have told Bobby Cox, get the hell back in the dugout. Yeah, I mean, you had faith at that point, and you know, Sandy Koufax, Gibson. I mean, those are the type of guys I want to see. That that's what baseball should be doing. And what they're saying is, well, those guys after ten years didn't have an arm. We got players that are better, have better right. eating habit. And I say all the time, okay, well, if they're better players and they have better eating habits and better workouts, why are they injured more than the players of yesteryear? It makes no sense. Make it make sense, Jason Powers. No, it's hard. It's it's. That's a tough one. I mean, a guy like Kershaw, he's the consummate professional. He's He pitched pre-analytics. He's been in the league 13, 14 years. You know, 12 years ago, he was pitching, you know, even the last seven or eight years, he was pitching seven, eight, nine innings. There was a couple of years there where he was throwing seven, eight innings every single start for the whole year. So I just wish Clayton would have said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go another inning. If I walk somebody or give up a hit, obviously come get me. But – I'd have liked to have seen Clayton Kershaw said, hey, hey, Skip, leave me out there. Right, exactly. I, I, I guess that's why, again. But remember, the Dodgers management came from the Rays, and you and I both know what the Rays believe in. They are all analytics all the time. Reference Blake Snell, game six of the World Series, versus Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers. Uh-huh. And what happened after that? They lost the game. Blake, and Blake, Snell, Snell, and, and Blake Snell never pitched another inning for the Rays ever again. And, like I predicted the day after it happened. And when it happened, you knew. You knew at that point they were going to lose the game because yeah. the Dodgers hitters 
looked absolutely lost in the sauce at the plate, and you take him out because, oh, you get a walk, you get a hit. Come on, man. Have some faith in your pitcher. That yeah. guy is a bulldog, and he hasn't been the same since. But I tell you right now, I'd love to have Blake Snell or Charlie Morton on the Rays. Wouldn't you last year? Oh, well, instead, you got guys that are pitching four or five innings and then going to your bullpen, and you wonder why those pitchers at the end of the year, namely the bullpen guys, are getting hurt. Just saying. Just saying. That wasn't a Stu Sternberg problem there. That was a Kevin Cash problem. Don't yeah, blame Stu for that I don't one. know about that. The guys in the front office making those decisions uh, with their uh, with their their pocketbooks. Because if you think about it, the the less time you pitch some of these uh, these players, okay, the less innings they have, the less you have to pay them. No. Yes. What? Yeah. The less time you because if you pitch a guy four or five innings every game. They're not going to have all the innings that some of these primetime pitchers would have. And then on top of it, they're not going to even have quality wins because if they're only going four or five innings, what is it? You have to qualify. I mean, come that's, on now, man. True, I, was, yeah. I was, I was born at night, but I wasn't born last night. And that, <laughs> and that is a stew thing. That is a stew thing. That's the thing that pisses me off about the race, but I get it. They got a hundred wins last year. They just had a tired out uh, pitching staff. That was relatively young. They could have used Morton or Snell, but eh, you know what? Eh, we're good. We're good with that. We're good with wearing out a bullpen. By the way, look at all the injuries they've had at the start of the year. Uh, and look at all the injuries they had last year with their pitching staff. So let's not crown them as the uh, the the champion of everything, okay? The analytics sometimes, you know, look, I love Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill and and even the guy that, that played in it, uh, the, the movie uh, Moneyball. You know, it, but that's Hollywooded up, okay? Nobody's ever won a, a money ball. Nobody's done that since, what, 2003, the Florida Marlins? You have to have a payroll of 1 to 16 in order to have a chance to win the World Series. Even uh, the Kansas City Royals had $100 million. So enough with the money ball and all this romantical stuff about how it's great. They're not spending money. I mean... Look, you want to crown them being cheap. I just crown them doing half-ass. That's what I'll say. You have your season tickets to the Rays? I do not. I do not have <laughs> tickets to the Rays. Uh, I, I, look, I would love to pay for Rays tickets, but unfortunately, Jason Powers, I just found out the other day that I actually have to find a place to live on June 1st, and here's why. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the, I, the place I'm paying for is $650. Okay. My landlord said, look, I got to rent this out to my son. So I said, okay, you know, what, what can you say at that point? At the time yeah. my dad gave me the place. Uh, so he's renting it out to me. I go out in this market. Good I, luck. I can't even think about going to a baseball game, let alone getting season tickets. Yeah. I mean, you can't even live right now for under a thousand dollars. If you get a one or two bedroom, you're, you're a thousand. You're, you'd be lucky to get a, find a place lucky. for a be lucky to find a place for $1,500, $1,800. Find a shack. I found a shack, uh, 450 square foot. Go to my bathroom. It's probably as big as that right now for $650. I'm not going there. I mean, it's just it's, it's an eye-opening experience. It's, so as much as I love the Rays and sports in general, I just can't afford the season tickets at this point. And I don't even know if I would pay for it. Would yeah, I pay I for lightning season tickets? Probably. Buck season tickets? Oh, absolutely. The Rays, look, you know, yeah, spend you some can't, money. Yeah. Spend to the Major League Baseball average. We'll, we'll talk about it. You, you know you know how I feel about it. You always like to, just, like to <laughs> poke the bear a little bit. 
That's all right. Exactly. We have some good spirited discussions about the Rays and the and their philosophy. And I'm with you to a degree on some of the stuff, but I don't think it's all Stu Sternberg's fault. I think sometimes he's put on a he's put out and just my he he's put out a pretty damn good product, and, and I don't think the Tampa Bay community has done a great job supporting that really good product when he has. They've been very competitive for many many years. Mm-hmm. And the attendance has been nowhere near the level that it, I'm not saying he should be a sellout every night, right. but you can't be drawing eight or 9,000 people when, it, when the, when the owners put a hundred win team on the field every year. Look, we've been down this long, dark, curvy road before. I don't know if we should go down it, but I will say, no. like, how, how can you have fans? If you continue to get rid of fan favorites, how can you have fans when your owner admits that he is a self-proclaimed Mets fan and you're trying to convince Yankee and Red Sox fans to come over and be a Rays fan. And how can you have fa- I mean, it's, it's called like- winners. It's called winning. Right. Fans like winning. Haven't won a World Series. Okay. The Florida Marlins have won. Okay. Two World Series. But the guy, but the guys won a lot of games. He's been in the World Series. He's been in Championship Series. He's so, he's taken down the big bad Yankees and the mighty Red Sox. But He's beaten some big ass teams. I agree. And the community doesn't show up until it's game three of the playoffs. That's my issue. Why do the fan? Why do the fans show up in the playoffs for thirty five thousand, but they won't show up in July, September, and August when they're in the pennant race? That's my problem. Because you steal their hope. Because you get rid of fan favorites. They don't know who these guys are. I get it. They may be talented. You know, have a lot of potential well, talented prospects. And they surprise a lot of people, but could you imagine if they kept some of those fan favorites around? Could you imagine that they kept a David Price and, and a Ben Zobers, who, by the way, won t- two World Series, one with Kansas City, who's a small market team, and the Chicago Cubs? Could you imagine that they kept Joe Madden around? And the fans see that, and it's taken a toll. And again, I'm not saying the fans are, are, are not, you know, not, uh, you know, Ned, Ned, I can't even say the word. Negligent. You know, they've got... Right. And again, again, the Tampa Bay area is a unique stadium situation compared to most sure. cities because our, you know, that's a whole nother argument about the stadium, but in general fans like winning teams in the, in the, in the race have been a win a pretty in the last 10 somewhat, years. Somewhat. Yes. They've been a lot more of a winning team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have. Well, but, but here's the difference though. First, the Bucks go all in. They have the attitude. They have the mindset. And I get it. They have Tom Brady, but they've gone. They didn't go all in until they got Tom Brady. Well, that's not necessarily true because they did cut back money. And when Greg Schiano came to town, as uh, awful of a coach he was, the Glazers have tried to be competitive every year when it comes to free agency because they've seen the other side of that, Jason Powers, when they didn't spend in free agency. But you have to be fair. The economics of football are way different than the economics of baseball uh, as far as salary cap and revenue sharing. I, I will agree to this. They should have a salary floor like yeah. the NFL has uh, because it would make the race spend. But I agree. I, I, I can. I, I totally agree with that. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Rays are the sister uh, sisters of the poor, okay? They're not because they're getting money from the Yankees and the Red Sox, and they're also getting TV money, and we don't know how much money. And, and I tell you right now, when Stu criticizes the fans, I, can, I like to say, hey, Stu, how about you open up those books? Let me see what you got. I mean, it's almost like, you know, you go to Outback Steakhouse. I love eating good steak. It has to be well done, by the way, Jason Powers. It has to be. Medium. Oh, medium. Well, I can't do medium. medium. I got to do well done, good steak with A1 sauce. If I don't have a good steak there, 
and I criticize the management team for not giving me good service. Do you think they're going to come back and say, well, you know what? I don't want you to come back. And in fact, we've got plenty of customers that want to come here. I'm going to raise the ticket prices or I'm going to raise the prices of steak. Do you think that business is going to be in business for long? No. What's the difference what Stu is doing to his fans? That's the reason why they're not showing up. Not only getting rid of fan favorites, but criticizing them. I get it. You're winning, but everybody is so angry. And then on top of it, we talk about the inflation of how to live right now and gas prices. I'd rather stay home and not deal with idiots, Yankee idiots and Red Sox idiots and deal with an owner that's an idiot. I'd rather just stay home and watch the game and save money. My question, and it's a good question to have, honestly, from a TV perspective. If all the games weren't on TV, would more fans go to the games? Because that's the deal. All the games are on TV down here, every single game. So there's not not nearly the incentive to go to the ballpark. And granted, it's not a great ballpark down here. We all understand that. They're trying to rectify that. But if all the games weren't on TV, would the attendance be better? I I mean, I don't know. That's a great and but here's the thing: the money is in the TV. Follow the money. So everybody, you know, the race saying, "Well, you know, you got to have fans. We got to draw in order to get money." No, you're getting money anyway. Well, they're not getting. They're not getting the same TV deals the Yankees or That's the or fault. the Chicago Cubs, you're, look, or the Atlanta you're, Braves. You're a businessman. You're the guy that's from, uh, you know, Wall Street and Saks and all this other stuff. You're a smart guy. You know about analytics and numbers. Make it happen, buddy. You knew the deal coming in here. You knew that you were going to get Tropicana and all this other stuff. Make it happen. And that's the problem. He doesn't want to make it happen. He probably doesn't want to be here. He wants to put St. Pete and Tampa against each other. I love the Rays, but I'm uh, I'm a realist when it comes to talking about them. They will only get to a certain point because that is what their mindset is. It is not like the Tampa Bay Lightning and Jeff Bennett. It is not like the Glazers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where they're going all in and are trying to satisfy the fan. And, oh, by the way, they make money when you win championships, and the Rays haven't. And then on top of it, look, I'm able to excuse the Marlins getting a new stadium, even though knowing that they basically screwed the public over because they have two championships and they went all in on one of those championships and how the Diamondbacks have a championship. What are the Rays looking for? You know, the Rays remind me of the Atlanta Braves of the 90s, right? All those division championships, they supposedly play one of the toughest divisions with the Mets and Pirates and, and Cubs at the time because it used to be just one East and West and then they you know separated them. But they got all these division championships and they're so smart and they got all these pitchers and everything like that. But you know what turned it around when they made that, when they decided to go all in, when they decided to go out and get a Greg Maddox, when they went out and got players that would help them out. I'm waiting for the Rays to do that and I've never seen them do that. And that's where the fans' mindset is. All right. Good, 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 good input there, Mr. Blake. Thank I know you. you're you're a very spirited fan and a very animated opinion which i like that's what we like here on the powers on sports podcast all right tell everybody where they can find you one more time before we get you out of here yeah monday and wednesday nights nine o'clock on the evolution of sports talk television live on i love st pete the hub and amped up sports of course like and subscribe to the sports web on youtube do three things for me as i get real passionate here on the powers on sports podcast bring your passion bring your excitement just don't bring any nonsense i'm your host peter blake giving you something to think about and remember remember fans you can check out the video interview if you want to see our video interview 
on the YouTube channel, Powers on Sports YouTube channel. Subscribe. Peter and I are also going to be doing – we also we also co-host the No Quarter Given podcast as part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. We're going to be doing a little pre-draft podcast here in the next week or so leading up to the NFL draft. We, do, we put out a free agency podcast. So, uh, actually, Peter, I talked to uh, our buddy Paul Stewart yesterday yeah. – on Zoom all the way to England, and we've got some ideas for a couple of things we might do in the summertime and next year. So, got some got some good things for the No Quarter Given podcast. Well, I love it. I love the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com uh, podcast network. I'm looking forward to working with you, my tag team partner of the world. And where is that Uncle TJ at? That Freddie Blassie, uh, you pencil neck geeks. I, I I swear I can hear him saying that to us. Get back on the mic, you pencil neck geek. Well, TJ still recovered from getting back from the final four. He was in New Orleans for the I'm final four. You, I am so, uh, yeah. That so. guy works and works and works. I want to be like him when I grow up. He does a lot of good stuff, man. A lot of great stuff. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Happy Easter weekend, everybody. The USFL has risen, is rising. <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of you guys will be using, will be rising this weekend for some Easter service. Good luck. Have fun with your family. Be nice to your family this weekend for Easter. The USFL's back. Powers on Sports podcast is back after a week off. And we'll be back next week. We're going to have a, we're going to have a big guest next week, by the way, Peter Blake. We're going to have. I can't tell you who it is. I can't tell you who it is. All right. We're going to have the next couple of episodes, going to have some, couple big guests all right big. all right peter blake thanks sir we'll talk soon and we'll see you next time on the powers on sports podcast thanks again for listening to the powers on sports podcast remember to subscribe rate and review on whatever podcast platform you are hearing us tonight remember you can reach out to us on twitter at jpo sports so we'd love to hear your feedback comments suggestions for future episodes and again, thanks for all the support. Remember to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we'd love to see you back next time for the next episode of the Powers on Sports podcast. Have a great week.